Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 176 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. There's some exciting NFL stuff going on at Botano that I'm going to tell you about later on in the show as well. But for now, Coombsy, let's dig into what is a series win for the Toronto Blue Jays. But it's one of those wins where you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I'm too thrilled with that. Yeah, I think the 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 loss specifically is what rubbed a lot of people yeah. the wrong way. I it, it though though they did finish the thing on a positive vibe, it does still sort of leave that negative taste in your mouth knowing that this could have gone better, but I mean at the end of the day you can't just sit there and ask for a sweep in every single series even if the team you're facing is a non-playoff team like we talked about on the last one. The Nationals had rolled in winning winning what like five consecutive series in a row. They'd playing been playing quite well, so for the Jays to end that streak that they have been having is we, we should be pretty positive vibes today. Somewhat. Yeah, we, we should be. You're right because it is, it was the Nats, right? And as much as for the last couple of seasons, they've been really non-competitive to put it politely this year. And specifically in the back half, they've turned it around. It's a young team that plays really hard. Like I was kind of looking into the numbers. They don't strike out a lot. And we saw that in this series, even though Gosman got off to a good start, like Bassett didn't strike anyone out through four or five innings, even though he was pitching really well. So they're a young scrappy team. The Jays were able to pull out two victories from the three game series, but it's very easy to find three downs when it comes to that one loss in the series. (laughs) So let's get into our three up three down and start with it's the biggest story. It dominated the headlines for a full 24 hours. John Schneider doesn't pitch run pinch run for Alejandro Kirk. They're down by two. He's the runner on third base watching the game live. I was surprised it wasn't done when he was at second base, especially considering Coombsy. We talked in the last series about John Schneider's pinch running decisions, opting to go with Kiermaier over Davis Schneider, who was at second base in the eighth inning. It was it's weird that down by two, you don't decide to put some speed on the base paths, especially because Kirk was DHing. He wasn't even catching. It was a no brainer. John Schneider flat out dropped the ball. In my opinion, do you have a defense for it or are you on my side and the side of pretty much every Jays fan? 
Yeah, it's it's pretty much everyone's on this exact same side right here. The narrative afterwards was, well, you got to also manage the big picture, you know, might wind up in a situation where his bat comes up again in the 11th inning or something like that. But again, you, you can't really be managing for the future when the future might never come. You have to tie the game first in order to get to that later inning to have that bat still in the lineup. And that bat hasn't even been particularly good. Like we saw just recently, you talked about it a whole bunch on the last show, which was um, pinch running Kiermaier over Schneider. Like it was completely fine to take Schneider, who has far and away the hottest bat on the team, out of the lineup in favor of a runner who's slightly better. But it's not doable to take Alejandro Kirk's bat out of the lineup for a runner who's significantly better, seeing as how Kirk's probably the slowest guy in Major League Baseball. And then we see immediately Dalton Barsho smashes a ball into the outfield. It gets caught and Kirk gets gunned out at home. And I don't think anybody was particularly surprised that that's the exact outcome that happened because it didn't make any sense that he was running in the first place. And then lo and behold, they score one run in the ninth inning. This, of course, was a frustrating situation. Bases loaded, nobody out. Only one run comes in and they wind up losing the game five to four. So if they had gone into the ninth inning, having been down by just one because Mason McCoy, their pinch runner who they called up scores on that bar show hit, then it's a completely different situation. But I guess the, like Schneider said after the game, the official narrative was that they kind of wanted to keep that bat in the game and they didn't want to have it removed. Their bench wasn't that deep and they didn't have as many options, but who the hell is Mason McCoy? Why is he here? Why was he just stapled to the bench during that situation? Makes no if sense. You're gonna call, if you're going to call it Mason McCoy and not use him to pinch run, if you're I one to staple him to the bench. I don't know. It just didn't make sense. I didn't love the McCoy call up over some of the high end prospects too. I felt like that would have been an easier choice. And again, potentially give this team not necessarily in the production department, but the vibes department, a Davis Schneider type bump to get some more youthful energy in there. I don't know if Mason McCoy was the right move. And if you're not going to use him to pinch run, what the hell are you going to use him for? But here's where I'll, I'll take it a bit of a different way. Okay, so John Schneider, actually, no, I'm gonna, we're gonna stay on it for, for one more second. John Schneider <laughs> saying that it, his rule is he pinch runs when it's the tying run. I would argue in the eighth inning, when you're down by two in the middle of a playoff race, we've heard Schneider talk about this team needs more urgency. Dude, yeah. you need more urgency. I'd rather be going to the ninth inning with the top of my order coming up, down by one, down by a solo home run then potentially down by two. Like the idea of, ah, we're down by two. It's not worth it. No, man, you can make it a one run game with four outs still to go. Like that, it, it, it was mind boggling. And I'm a guy who has wanted to come on here and defend John Schneider at a lot of turns. I generally feel like the fan base just lays a lot of the blame for this year's season at his feet without a lot of logic behind that. But this is one of the scenarios where you cannot defend it. It's, it was brutal. And did it cost them the game? Eh, I mean, maybe. I think it was one of the reasons they didn't wind up winning, but what did they go for with rest play? One for 10, one for 11, something like that. The ninth inning was was just as infuriating. The fact that they got the bases loaded with nobody out and the only run they could score came on a ground ball where the where, where Vladdy runs out the double play is it's not exactly what you'd like to see from bases loaded none out in that in that situation. But yeah, it's definitely one of the things that did contribute. And I think when you mentioned the urgency thing that's that's a good point because we talked about this a few times ago which is what does urgency in baseball look like it's not hockey it's not the same thing you can't just you know bear down and try a little harder in baseball it's 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 not the same sport so i guess when your manager then is 
not playing for the tie when you're in the eighth inning down by two is, is sort of bizarre. Like that sort of, does that, does that sort of send the message that you're punting it a bit that you're like, ah, we shouldn't make these types of go for the win moves because, well, we're down by two to the Washington nationals. So there's no way that, you know, we're going to score one run in the ninth. It's, it's, it's sort of a bizarre way of going about it. It, it. It's not particularly urgent. It doesn't mesh with the situation the team's in and the time of year that it is right now. Okay, you touched on the bases loaded thing. That's easily the second down from all of yeah. this. I think that is what cost them the game. Like we are not talking about the Alejandro Kirk pinch running thing. If the Jays don't absolutely blow it in the ninth inning, BGO singles, Kiermaier singles, the bottom of your order does way more than its job. Springer gets on in part because of a pitch clock violation, which I thought was funny. And then they're loaded up. And I was sitting there watching the game and again, Maybe this is unfair to say about him, but when Vladdy came up, I was like, man, he's mashing this ball into the ground. One of the first pitches he sees, he's hammering it into the dirt. And he didn't really hammer it into the dirt. He hit a bit of a you know weak dribbler up the line, but I mean, you just needed two guys who could hit a fly ball and you couldn't get one of Schneider or Guerrero to hit you a fly ball. That is so wildly disappointing. Also, I've got to say it's, it's, I don't know what it is. If it's a, just a recency bias, confirmation bias, what's going on. But the two batters in those situations, David Schneider versus Vladdy. And I felt significantly better with Schneider's at bat. And I yes. thought he was significantly more likely to drive in a run, which is a nuts thing to say about, you know, a kind of a borderline non prospect who was called up in the middle of the season, who's been kind of on the bench over who's supposed to be your best hitter. And also further to that, like Vladdy hasn't even been bad recently. He's been good recently. Mm -hmm. He's been, you know, he, He's been hitting home runs at home too, which is something that wasn't happening at all. Hitting for power, hitting for average. He's, he has been pretty good, but for some reason, like the, the, it's going to take a lot for the narrative to shift because every time he comes up with a base runner, I expect a double play. It's, it, it feels, it almost feels automatic, which is, it's a, it's a weird feeling to, to go through a game and think that. Yeah. It incredibly unfortunate. Um, the third down from that game, I suppose is Jose Barrios look just okay. Um, it's kind of been a bit of a run here where Jose Barrios has just looked okay. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily concerned about it, like five earned runs in back-to-back -back games last year, we would have been freaking out and been like, Holy shit. Why is this guy making starts with the way he's pitched all season? I'm not overly concerned about Jose Barrios going down the stretch. I think this is just a blip. Is there anything you're seeing that you're like, oh shit, no, this, this might be a problem. I don't think there's anything that I'm seeing in specific, but it's definitely like the, the blip has been bad. It's been, he kind of looks a lot like what he looked like last year for almost the entirety of the year over the month of August through five games. It's, you know, a, a 5.53 ERA. Now lots of trouble with home runs. There was two against Washington, two against Baltimore where he had the same game, six innings pitched, five earned runs, the Cincinnati games, the outlier here in August, but even then he walked four guys and the Reds are just, you know, they're pretty anemic uh, against the Cubs foreign runs over four and a third. That was a rough one. And then probably the best start of this month was three and runs over five and two thirds against Boston, six strikeouts and only one home run. So I don't know. It, it, it looks a lot like what it looked like last season for Barrios, where 
the other team has, I think, an easy time hitting that high up fastball and they're just launching it like that. That dinger that he allowed to Kiebert Ruiz in, uh, in the Washington series and that in that second game was, you know, just a ball that was up that was mashed. And I think the reason that it's not particularly worrying is that, you know, a lot of starting pitchers on the Jays have you know, picked up the slack. Yusei Kikuchi has been great. Chris Bass just had an awesome start. Hinge and Ryu's back and he's killing it. But reality is, is all these guys have thrown a ton of innings and none of their starts are ever really easy. It's not like the lineup very frequently is going out and scoring 15 runs. So the starting pitcher can just kind of groove through an easy start and log some innings. It almost never happens. It's, you know, we talk about relievers with their difficulty and stress level in their innings, but we don't really talk about that with starters where it feels like, it feels like all season the Jays have been playing these tight, must-win, difficult games. And I mean, I guess this is just from our perspective as outsiders, but you kind of hear the way the pitchers talk about it and talk about the offense. And it almost seems like they feel like they're under a tremendous amount of pressure to single-handedly win games because you never know when the bats are going to come. So I would imagine these guys are pretty burnt out by this stage. And it's it's another thing pointing to we badly need the bats to pick it up because relying on just exclusively your pitchers through all of September is going to be tough. Yeah, it is. Uh, you talked about the arms potentially being burnt out. Chris Bassett said he hasn't played long toss in like three months because he's trying to save his arm and he doesn't want to get burnt out like he did last year with the Mets. So I, I think you're bang on at that. I think it's definitely a factor and I hope it's not too big of a story as we head into September. Um, maybe they should have gone with the six man rotation a little longer, but I kind of say that tongue in cheek because I'm not sure if you could have kept trusting Alec Manoa to go out there and give you good results. Uh, Coombsy, let's flip this around. Let's talk about some positives. They did win the series and you know what? They have nine more series to go this year. If they win them all, they're probably going to be a playoff team. So we shouldn't be sitting here and, and really complaining too hard about taking two out of three from a team that was playing pretty good ball coming into the series. So Let's talk about the wins in game one. It was a big second inning that propelled the Blue Jays to victory. They scored four, including a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. double, a Danny Jansen solo home run. That win gave me a lot of confidence for a handful of reasons. I thought Kevin Gosman really grinded through that start to eat up some innings for the Jays. A bunch of different bats came through, and then the bullpen was just absolutely nails. That might be the biggest positive. Yeah, I think that was the number one thing for me was... Uh, Kevin Gosman, like you said, he grinds through, he does five innings, strikes out seven guys, three earned runs, seven hits, two walks, not, not an amazing start, but not bad. The, that's kind of what we become accustomed to is even if it's not great, he's still going to grind through and give the team a chance to win. But the bridge there was Trevor Richards, who in his previous outing got lit up in Baltimore and kind of uh, imploded that one game, the second game of the series, I think it was. And in this one, he goes two innings scoreless, doesn't allow a walk or a hit strikes out one. After that, it's the two St. Louis Cardinals guys. Genesis Cabrera has another scoreless inning. He still hasn't allowed an earned run as a J yet. And then Jordan, Hicks picks up the save his 12th of the season uh, just allows the one walk the the bullpen was pretty much untouchable which is definitely a positive because again it circles back to the exact point I just made with the with the with the pitching staff in general is they've had to pitch so many high stress innings it's all leverage almost every single game because you know there aren't very many blowouts like we saw in the third game in this series but yeah that was that was definitely the number one thing for me was we we kind of thought this would be the team's strength going down the stretch was this bullpen depth they could win these games, these tight ones. And that's what we saw. And the bats also woke up in this one finally too. Like it was pretty much contributions up and down the lineup, which is something we probably didn't expect given we, we haven't even brought this up yet with 
Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette both going on the injured list like that. That's that's a pretty significant thing. And it's honestly kind of just flown under the radar. The fact that they're still hitting pretty well without those two guys. Every player in the lineup in game one got a hit with the exception of Dalton Varsho, who went uh, who went over four. He's starting to cool off a little bit. But you're right. Everyone found a way to chip in there. Uh, maybe not a full on up for him, but man, Ernie Clement, he's like, he is mini Davis Schneider. He's batting 500. Like that's crazy. Yeah. He's, um, sorry. (laughs) Well, since being called up, he's gone four for 10. I mean, a lot of people rolled their eyes when he was called up, but you look at his numbers in triple a, he's batting like three 30 with almost twice as many walks as strikeouts. Uh, something that's been pointed out is, uh, you have to be careful with, with stats and triple a this year, both in terms of pitchers being bad and hitters being really good because they're testing out this automated strike zone. And apparently everything's a ball and nothing's a strike. Like the strike zone's the size of a postage stamp basically. So a lot of guys have inflated numbers because of it. But what I've seen from Clement in, in the time that he's been up is he's a difficult guy to strike out. Like he protects his zone really well, fouls pitches off, doesn't swing at stuff outside. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's, you know, an exciting name like or all Martinez or an Addison Barger or whoever it is, whoever comes up from AAA. I just want to see guys who take good at bats because the worst thing that from this lineup that we see way too frequently is first pitch swing immediately on the ground. That's the thing that like, whether or not they're actually doing it as much as it seems like I have no idea, but that's the one thing that I feel like I've noticed from this season time and time and time again. So I just want guys that work counts. That's, that's the big thing. And Clement's been doing that. David Schneider has been doing that and we got to give him a, his own up because David yeah. Schneider just continues to roll along another home run in this series, four hits in the three games. He walked three times. You talk about having a guy in that order who is just flat out difficult to get out. His on base percentage over the last week is five thirty eight. That is insane. Like this dude just goes up there and grinds. He comes up with clutch hits. He does everything for this ball club and it just every time he hits one yard or ropes one off the fence i think back to you and i being like everyone's so excited about this guy but come on one player doesn't turn around your season and like hilariously wrong because one player has more or less turned around the batting order or really saved it from being an ugly couple of weeks here for toronto like eventually the baseball brain in me goes he's gonna go like 0 for 15 at some point because these numbers have to come back down to reality but every game i sit there and i go he might he just might not cool off this year he might just run through september and finish the season batting like 480 yeah i remember when uh you think about like how well he's been doing recently and then you think back to that big stretch where he was on the roster for about a week and a half almost two weeks maybe where he pretty much just didn't play and just sat there and watched and you wonder would this hot streak have gone through this whole thing too like who comes up and has that start sits on the bench for that time and then picks up right where they left off and continues having this inexplicable hot streak it's it's truly one of the most insane things I've ever seen in baseball. Like we, we, we did not see this coming whatsoever. And it's one of those things you're happy to be wrong about because you know, you're excited when someone new gets called up, you're like, Oh, especially with, with, with Schneider too. Great story. You know, everyone loves a low draft pick with a little signing bonus who grinds through all the levels and finally makes it like, it's a great story, but I don't, I, I, it, 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 circling back to where we were at a month ago when he came up, there was just no way to wrap your mind around this level of production and this amount of time. Like the, the opening series against Boston was one thing, but to then sit down, watch, 
and not play for a while and come back and just continue doing it is so staggeringly insane. Like there's no way that he can come out of the lineup for the rest of the season. I don't care if it's an over 15 slump. Like I can be held accountable to this while he's in a slump. If it happens, knock on wood, but there's no way he has to play every single day. Like, like he's Vladdy or Bo or George Springer or whoever, he's got to be one of the main, main guys in this lineup. Well, let me throw this your way. I agree. He cannot come out of the lineup. Can he come out of the two hole when Bo's back? Considering how Vladdy's been hitting, does it not make sense to almost go Springer Schneider Bo? Honestly, maybe. Yeah, I, I've honestly, I, I, I think I brought this up before too, but I love him in the spot where he's right behind Vladdy as well. I think, well, one thing we've we've talked about as one of the million theories as to why Vladdy's been as mid as he has been this season is, hey, maybe there's no one good behind him to protect him. Like before, there was at least there was like Teoscar Hernandez or Lourdes Gurriel, somebody like that who could you you'd feel pretty good if 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 they're batting and you've got a runner on second base or something like that to cash that run in whereas i don't know how many times this season you've really felt like as a pitcher you feel like you know i i i can't let vladdy get on base because the guy behind us is you know gonna score gonna drive in a run i i don't really feel like that's been the composition of Toronto's lineup this year. Vladdy has been the supposed to been the supposed to be the cleanup guy that makes it easier for guys in front of him. So I don't know, maybe ride this hot streak, hot streak and put him behind Vladdy. See what happens. That's something to consider. But wherever he is in the lineup, it just seems to be no matter what hits and driving and runs. It's 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 truly something. All right. For the third up, I'll give you a little multiple choice here. You can give the third up to Chris Bassett, who looked really good through eight scoreless innings, or you can give it to Alejandro Kirk, who goes three for three with a pair of doubles just a few hours after the controversy of him not being pinch run for who was the bigger MVP in game three. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Bassett. The combination of Bowden Francis clearing three innings after Barrios and then Bassett coming out and doing eight innings in the following game means that with the off day on Monday that the Jays have like a totally fresh bullpen going into Colorado and the Rockies suck. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're a really bad team and the Jays should sweep this series, but Pitching in Colorado is not easy. This isn't something the Jays are familiar with. The air is really light there. There might be some rough starts, rough outings. The Jays do have players who have a propensity to give up fly balls. So could see some short starts there. We might need to see a lot of bullpen in that series. So I think getting that relief appearance from Francis and that excellent start from Bassett, that was huge. Though it is definitely also worth mentioning Kirk having the three for three day, two doubles, a home run. Uh, I I don't blame him for being thrown out at the plate. In the previous game, that was a, a manager, like a manager error. But geez, at the end of the day, they need to see this guy's back come around. His defense has been phenomenal, but you can only have so many guys on your team where you're like, well, at least they're providing great defense. Like you got to hit too. And this was a guy who was expected to hit Silver Slugger last year. So let's hope that that is coming around in September. Bowden Francis has a 1.74 ERA through 31 innings this season that I know a a good chunk of it is like mop up duty and things like that. But regardless, an ERA that good is, is something. Yeah, he's, he's been legitimately good. And I mean, um, it's, it's been an interesting role too, because having a guy that comes out of your bullpen who can toss three innings, he'd like to also not forget. He was the piggyback starter as well when Alec Manoa was down in Dunedin. So this guy's filled a ton of different roles for the team this year. And it's been, it's been huge because they're sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever starters, none of them panned out. So getting this guy who can pitch multiple innings, that's a, that's a big win. 
The Jays win two of three against the Washington Nationals, but did they clean up or make up any ground in the wild card race? Uh, we'll dig into that in just a second, but first we'll step aside for a quick break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Episode 176 of Blue Jays Nation Radio is brought to you by Botano. Week one of the NFL season is just around the corner and Botano is celebrating with football live trivia. It's coming up September 2nd at nine o'clock Eastern. You can flex your bar trivia knowledge to earn your share of the weekly $500 pot. No betting is required to participate. You just go to Botano. We'll throw the link in the description and then you go answer some trivia questions. You got a chance at five hundred dollars the game starts now at patano.ca 19 plus please play responsibly coomzy the jays take care of business to an extent but did they get any help let's bring in brett holden with the wild card report brett how did the teams around toronto do are they any closer to a wild card spot no absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> almost every team in front of the blue jays either swept their series or only lost one of their games let's start off with the uh, top team in the wild card race the tampa bay rays who are up by six and a half games they only had a two game set uh, against the miami marlins one of them included an 11 11- to win for them. Now they come up against the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland coming up in their next series. They have an off day today, but they will be playing tomorrow. Glasnow and Zach Little will be the two confirmed starters for the Rays. Uh, right now they also have a to be announced day, so we shall see there as well. Now guys, I can't tell if you can hear right now, but they are taking care of the trash outside. So let's move that naturally into the Houston Astros, who are in a wild card spot right now up by one game. Now their last series was with the Boston Red Sox who also are in this uh, race here. Now in the first game of the series, the Astros manhandled the Red Sox uh, 13 to five victory with Jose Altuve 
hitting yeah. for the cycle. It is the uh, Houston Astros first cycle in 10 years. The last player to do it. Brandon Barnes. How about that name for you? Name. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly who I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, they have the Yankees coming up as well. They also have an off day, but we have a little bit of uh, a pitching duel coming up in the first game, specifically Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander will go up against each other in the first game. Also, we'll get some really good pitching as well. Severino and Christian Javier will also be going there. Now some news as well for the Astros. Kendall Graveman is, uh, did leave their game yesterday with back discomfort and he will be evaluated in Houston today a little more. That's a big, could be a big loss for them especially in late innings as well. Let's go to the Texas Rangers who just faced off against the New York Mets and they took three or two of three against the Mets. They have the Minnesota twins also coming up as well. And we want pitching battles. We got three pitching battles in this one here. Joe Ryan versus Max Scherzer, Dallas Keuchel versus Jordan Montgomery and Kenta Maeda versus John Gray. Now speaking of pitching as well for the Texas Rangers, Nathan Avaldi has hit the 15 day DL with, uh, or excuse me, he has been on the 15 day DL uh, with a right forearm stray, uh, strain, excuse me. He has uh, early September return. It seems like uh, their manager said that he doesn't really have much going on with the arm. It's just more the side of the body, Bochi said. So we'll see what's kind of going on there. We kind of touched on the Red Sox as well, but they do have the Kansas City Royals coming up. So that could be a chance for the, the Red Sox to kind of jump back into contention here as uh, the Royals only have one scheduled pitcher coming up in this uh, uh, series, excuse me. So could be uh, not pretty for the Royals here. Also some news for the Red Sox is Jaron Duran has had season ending toe surgery. Uh, he will not see the uh, diamond again this year. And I threw in the Yankees just because the Yankees are, you always got to talk about the Yankees. Uh, we already talked about their series earlier on, but they do have a series coming up with the, or they just played the Detroit Tigers excuse me we talked about their series coming out but they just played the Detroit Tigers which they actually swept the Tigers 4-1-4-2 and 6-2 as well now some news surrounding some teams here uh, first of all kind of around the New York Yankees as well as Josh Donaldson was released from the New York Yankees and Harrison Bader hit the waivers as well and he wasn't the only name as today yeah. will be a very interesting day to watch out for the waiver line as the Los Angeles Angels basically just did what I do when I call my fantasy league. I'm like, I'm just going to release everybody. Y'all can take them yeah. as Dominic Leone, Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and former Blue Jay Randall Grichuk all placed on waivers. Today will be the day, a wild day on the waiver wire. So we'll see where some of those names go, if any of those names go. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, I'm also still right now calling for Josh Johnson return. 
<laughs> the, I mean, from a vibes perspective, sure. You need someone to play third base for a bit. I don't know if Josh Donaldson can come and be a productive bat for you, but uh, you never know. Uh, Brett, thank you. Fantastic wild card report. Uh, Coomzy, let's talk a little bit about what Brett left us with their waivers today. I know basically by the time anyone listens to this, we should have the news. Um, but Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco, Hunter Renfro, Lucas Giolito, Randall Grichuk, Matt Moore, Harrison Bader, Ronaldo Lopez, and Jose Cisnero are uh, pretty much the main group here of guys on waivers. I guess Donaldson's in that conversation as well. Um, but is there anyone that stands out to you? The, the Jays, because they're out of a playoff spot, it's by win percentage. So they could have a chance to claim someone. Yeah, I mean, they're <clears throat> they're technically in one of the better spots among the teams who you think would be grabbing guys like this. You mean, I mean, you wouldn't expect to see a non-playoff team like a Pittsburgh or a Colorado grab one of these players, but you never know. So being a non an outside of the playoffs looking in team lower in the standings than Tampa, Baltimore, whoever, you'll have priority to grab these players over them. So it's honestly, I think one thing to consider is look at the teams you're battling with. Um, look at Seattle, look at Texas look at Houston um, teams like that. And if there's a player there that can really make a difference for them, maybe you should try and find a way to fit them on your roster. Now. I mean, the Jays have a ton of different injuries, so um, I wouldn't say no really to any of those bats, even like a Randall Grichuk reunion, uh, a righty who can hit lefties and play the outfield, man. That's exactly what the Jays have been looking for pretty much all season. The pitchers are a little bit more problematic because it's already such a log jam and you still don't even have Chad green. Who's thrown, you know, like a million different rehab outings for AAA Buffalo so far. They're probably just waiting for the rosters to expand on the 1st of September to to Adam, there probably isn't as much space for the pitchers, but really any of those bats, especially ones that are right-handed and can hit lefty pitching, that's uh, that's what I'd be all over if I were the Blue Jays. Yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we saw Grichuk or if we saw Hunter Renfro. Kind of yeah. a similar thing, right? A righty who I was just looking at his numbers. He's got like a 750 OPS against left-handed pitching. A guy who throughout his career has been kind of known to go on these hot streaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to Grichuk in a way, right? Like every year we'd get those three weeks where Rando Grichuk looks, looked like the best hitter in the majors. Um, but Grichuk has a 970 OPS against left-handed pitching this season. He's familiar with Toronto, so there'd be a very little adjustment period. And his remaining salary is also 500 grand cheaper than uh, Hunter Renfro. So maybe that'd be a factor as well. But if you're the Jays, maybe you just put a claim in on each, expect that one's going to get scooped up by someone else and you're going to grab the other guy. So I, I I would love to see the Jays get involved. They're facing injuries. Rosters are about to expand a little bit. Why wouldn't you? doesn't make sense to grab an arm. You're kind of bloated there anyways. But why not get a bat who can come off the bench and help you so that then you'd be more comfortable pinch running for Alejandro Kirk when he's at third base? Um a little, little bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment there, I guess. But we'll see what the Jays get up to on the waiver wire. Really surprising to kind of see this become a thing, though. Like, teams are out of it, and they just go, hey, we'll try to dump a bunch of this salary if if we can. Um, it, it's an interesting approach, and I imagine one that doesn't really go over all that well in major league clubhouses. Like, did you hear Harrison Bader talk about he found out he was on waivers while he was sitting at, at like their lunchroom table watching ESPN. And he was like, Oh shit, I guess I'm going on waivers. Yeah. That's a, it's a weird, weird, weird thing. I mean, you're uh, in, in previous years, it used to be like the second trade deadline where you would throw a guy onto waivers mm-hmm. and then, you know, 
Um, they were gonna, they would have to clear through everyone and the team that claims them. You can kind of work out a trade, but they got rid of that so they could have their deadline frenzy at the beginning of August, like we had this year. Though it wasn't really much of a friendly, it was a pretty boring deadline. I guess from Anaheim's perspective, um, I, the, the the logic that I've seen with this whole thing is that it's all about your 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 luxury tax threshold which is kind of viewed more like the salary cap in hockey which is like a player's aav their average annual salary uh if, if all of them add up to go over this number at the end of the year then there's certain things about draft picks that you can lose or gain blah 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 so if the angels are dumping all these guys they can get themselves underneath a certain threshold get themselves a better draft pick when otani winds up walking i guess that's that's all over with now he's probably upset and it's not much you can really do about it so dumping all these guys who gives a shit but wow what a turnaround for them man they it was pretty ill-advised for them to buy but i understand why they did in order to try and make a run but man things went so far south so quickly like remember right around the trade deadline the angels were in toronto and they were right around where the jays were in the standings and then since then they've won like three or four games they've just completely fallen off a cliff uh let's dig into what's coming up next here for toronto brett outlined who everyone in the race is playing this weekend the jays are taking on the rockies after an off day thursday in game one it'll be hunjin ryu against chris flexen kikuchi versus ty block in game two which is a saturday night game as well and then sunday kevin gosman against the old tbd the good news for the jays Chris Flexen, 6.94 ERA on the season. Good chance to get off to a strong start there. Ty Block's ERA is right around four. Um, but I'll give you some maybe not good stat lines. Both of them are coming off very good starts. For Flexen, he went five innings against Baltimore, struck out seven and only gave up two earned runs. For Block, he went seven strong against Baltimore, only allowing the one earned run. And for some reason, it totally defies logic, each of these guys have better numbers at home in Colorado than they do on the road this year. For Flexen, it's like a staggering difference. His ERA on the road is 8.42. At home, it goes down to 5.83, which I found really surprising. Um, but anyways, the Jays are the Jays got to tag these guys. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I know I just outlined some encouraging numbers for the both of them in their professional careers, but it does not matter. You are not facing aces here. You are facing back-end starters on the freaking Colorado Rockies. You need to tee off. Yeah, in Colorado. This is this is the series where I don't know if Don Mattingly or Guillermo Martinez or somebody, there's all these theories about why the Jays hit the way they do. I don't know if they're telling them to try and like not hit the ball in the air. And that's why there's an issue with launch angle. But man, you are in Colorado. You're playing in the mountains. The ball is the air is extremely light anything that goes in the air anything that vladdy like taps off of his bat and it goes in the air is going to be in the seats the the rockies are bad they're 49 and 84 they've lost nine of their last 10 games uh, <laughs> this is a you're in colorado this is a place where it's easy to score runs the jays need to sweep this series they need to they have colorado oakland and kansas city coming up nine games you should go seven and two at worst and you know if, if they do seven and two then they match the 10 and five that we said would be okay uh, through this 15 game stretch. They've gone three and three thus far in the difficult part of the easy part of the schedule, which was Cleveland and Washington. Now you're onto these bad three teams. Anything worse than seven and two is that's a loss. That's it's going to be hard to make the playoffs with, with that happening. It should be a sweep. There's no excuse for it to not be a sweep. The Atlanta Braves just swept the Rockies and scored 24 runs in three games. The Jays should absolutely tee off in this ballpark. 
Here's to hoping they get the job done. Pitching, it really shouldn't be an issue for the Jays in this series. Their bullpen, their starters, they've been so good, so consistent. Just a matter of the bats waking up and doing enough to get the job done. Three for the Jays against the Rockies. Uh, If you missed it earlier, Tampa's taken on Cleveland. Houston's taken on a Yankees team that's won three in a row. So maybe the Bronx Bombers can give the Jays some help. And Texas is taking on a Minnesota Twins team that is just five and five in their last 10. So not great there either as uh, we need a team from the central to come through for us to keep the Jays in the playoff race here. Um, sweep, give me an MVP prediction for this series, Coomzy. Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm going to go with, um, I think I'm going to go with, I think Alejandro Kirk's going to go get hot in this series. Him, him starting that, that run at the end of the Washington series. I think he's going to be the big name we're excited about over the next few days. I'm going to say George Springer hits a bomb and has a game where he goes like four for five or something crazy like that. Um, Hopefully there's a lot of positives to talk about when we record episode 177 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Enjoy the ball this weekend, Coomzy. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 